The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I hope you had a great start to the week. I'm just finishing up my last five days in Costa Rica, which feels crazy because it was only yesterday it feels like I was planning this trip. So it's, uh, it's crazy that I've been here three months. Got some friends here with me at the moment, Holly and Naomi, who have just uh, been here a couple of days. Went out on the water yesterday, saw a bunch of dolphins, saw some turtles having sex. So there's a first time for everything. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're heading to LA this weekend for a Kyle Cease event. Kyle Cease is putting on a uh, event called Evolving Out Loud, which I went to in the very early days when he first started a few years ago. And this is going to be one of his last events that he's doing. Well, that he knows of. And he's having it in the, the Dolby Theatre in Hollywood. So I'm super excited to go go to Hollywood and check that out and, and be with some cool people. So if you're there, if you're at the event this weekend, which I know a bunch of you will be, let me know. We can hang out while we're there. Yeah, some announcements really. I'm going to spend uh, most of July in New York. So I want to put it out there. If any of you want to spend some time with me in New York, I'm looking to offer some one-day intensives with me during that time. So if you're in New York or if you're uh, passing through New York in July and you want to come and spend a day with me, drop me a message and we can make that happen. If you want to work on a business idea, if you've got some brainstorming you want to do around some creative ideas, if you want to look at what it might look like to leave your job and go into business or spend a year traveling or anything, let's hook up and see what we can create together. So yeah, if you're in New York between July the 4th and July the 23rd, let me know and we can make that happen. But uh, on with the show, as they say. So joining me today is John Morgan. So John, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Good to be here. Yeah, likewise. And you're in Santa Monica right now? Yeah, more specifically on my front porch. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) And uh, there's just a wave of bug extermination gases coming up the front (laughs) door. (laughs) Just have my house Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Great to uh, have you here. I don't know you that well. We only just met a few minutes ago, which is kind of how I like to do this show because uh, everybody's learning about you. I'm learning about you at the same time. So it's kind of fun. Uh, What I know about you is you live a powerful life. You live your life in an extraordinary way, which is what I'm all about helping people to create. I know you've spent some time traveling, living the nomadic life like I have, and uh, now you're, you're settled with your family in Santa Monica. Mm. So uh, what do we need to know? Fill in the gaps if I want to get to know JP. What do I need to know? Yeah. Right now, like, let me show you this. You see that flag? <laughs> the happy face? Yeah, that's the flag on the front of my house that I just bought. And um, that's just the, that's part of my kind of statement to myself and to my life that I'm the happiest guy I know. And uh, we were talking about before we started today about this idea of happiness. You read in the four-hour work week about happiness, meaning like people really mean they want more excitement. And I was just like, yeah, that's to me, being happy means waking up every day and literally having things to smile about. For a lot of my life, it was lots of, it was, yeah, traveling the world, having lots of diverse experiences. And that's, even though I'm like not traveling now and having a lot of fun just being here at home, it's still new and exciting stuff every day is really what I'm creating constantly. I love that idea of waking up, you know, and like being excited. That's, that's something day. I think, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, do ahead, that visionary, I do visionary work with a lot of people. You know, we talk about, I want to have this thing and I want to see these places. Yeah. And I always say at the end, what do you want to feel? What do you want to wake up in the morning? How do you want to feel when you open your eyes? It's often something we don't think about. That's You're right. Like, that's like such a great indicator too. Like the moment you wake up, it's almost like even before you're fully awake, 
do you have that feeling of dread or feeling of fear or you're like, oh my God, I'm excited. You know, when you were like little and you were going on some holiday, it's like that kind of feeling. It's the best feeling. That's like living, I live most of my life in the last 15 years, I would say at least that way. Like I don't use an alarm clock, but I wake up because I'm excited for the day. And that's really, you know, I have thought about that specifically before, but that's like kind of a way of knowing like, am I happy? Am I waking up with like, oh my God, it's, it's Tuesday or Monday or whatever, you know? And, yeah, it's uh, great. Yeah. And I think for it's a lot of people, that can sound like it's so far away, but it's, it's, so, it's so available, actually. Mm. It always is that feeling too, like when you, you, you can't get up to your 6 a.m. alarm during the week, but if you're going skiing on Saturday morning, you yeah. like wake up at 10 minutes to 6, no alarm, yeah. really yeah. good at the day. So totally. what's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah. Your body knows something. I was going to say hello to Jason, my brother's here. Hey, Chase, and Gigi. Nice to see you as well. Hi, guys. Yeah, welcome. Well, that's cool. So tell me a little bit more about how you got to this place. So what Mm. led you to to being the happiest guy you know? How did you get here? I actually used to say that to myself when I was living nomadically and traveling and just having one amazing experience after the other, being excited for every day. Where am I going to go next? Um, and I used to say, man, I'm like the happiest guy I know. Like, I don't have any problems. Like, I just loving life. And it was a description of myself. And then eight, 10 years ago, when I discovered this whole world of personal growth and I started delving into that, and I was still saying that just out of habit, just like, yeah, I'm pretty much the happiest guy I know. People are like, uh, I don't know if, that, if, you're, if that's really a good thing to say, man. There's, you probably have some issues under the surface you're not aware of. And, and they started like <laughs> undermining my belief in this description. And it's like, maybe you think you should do Landmark and really dive in and find out. You know, maybe you're not so happy. You just think you are. And I was like, oh, shit. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's not true. And I stopped saying it for years. And, um, you know, fine. I went and did some deep work and I discovered some cool things. But I, I just mentioned that on like an offhand way with, with my coach and and he was like, that doesn't sound like a very good idea to stop saying that. But that was within the context of a new understanding about what, what speaking does. And I thought for years I was describing myself as the happiest guy I know. But in hindsight, what I was doing was simultaneously describing myself and creating myself. And so it was actually not only a description, but a declaration. And so I've taken it back on as a, both a description and an act of creation. And so by mm. deciding and choosing to intentionally speak it again and to have touchstones and things like the, the flag with a smiley face on it, I have a shirt with a smiley face. My son has one too. Totally coincidentally, we named him Asher, which in Hebrew means happy. And so to actually start to find places where this word has meaning and bring it out is actually generative. And so I've, I've brought it back in in the last year and a year and a half as a way of reclaiming that as a creation in my life and you know, living with excitement and happiness through that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that the people that are, um, you know, suspicious of that. Cause yeah. That, yeah, I can't lie to you. Like my, as a coach, that's my reaction too. is like, what's what, you know, what's, what, what, what are they are hiding? hiding? What's, why yeah. is he so happy? Right. Um, so I'm glad you, you're, uh, you're open to talking about that. You strike me as the kind of guy that can create that, but also do his own work, not use it as a mask. Yeah. And that's the important thing. Right. And I was just reflecting this recently and I, I made a little video. I haven't published it yet, but it's about really embracing the power of cognitive dissonance. Like I speak that I'm the happiest as a way of exfoliating the deeper psychological dissonance, right? And like, oh, where is that not true? Is it really true? Like I'm saying it, but where is there a lack of coherence in me? And that's where my attention goes. And it's like, you know, if you experience dissonance internally and you're like, move away from that or you want to ignore it, then saying things like that have actually been proven through research to be counterproductive. It actually embeds the opposing psychological belief even deeper. Or if you say I'm beautiful, but deep down you're like, I'm ugly, you become uglier or you think you're, you know, it gets worse. 
And so it's super important. You're right. And thanks for pointing it out that like to not only speak positive things like that, but to have even more attention to where there might be disbelief internally or disagreement or doubt and then to do inquiry there mm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jason says that it's in- interesting what you say, but most days he notices his default setting is a frown on his face. But when he catches himself, he just repeats, thank you, thank you, thank you for my day. Mm. So kind of using gratitude to Absolutely. face that. Yeah, that's a great way into happiness. I mean, grateful abundance is something that helps me kind of find my way back in love. There's a million paths. There's no one path. So when I say I am the happiest guy, I know I smile every single time I say it because if by reflecting on the happiest guy, I know I've basically reflected all the things that I'm grateful for that make me smile. So embedded in that phrase are certain ideas and feelings and stuff. So it takes on a meaning and a power through through contemplation and reflection. Or somebody mm. else hears that they have their own ideas about it. Every idea yeah. has things attached to it, right? So that's why words are very personal. Yeah, very, very personal. Another thing that was there for me is, uh, you know, if we, we go a little bit deeper into this, this philosophy is, Male suicide, we, we talked about it briefly offline, but it's, you know, all suicide, but in particular, male suicide is, is in mm. the headlines. Mm. And one thing that I notice is it's always, oh, he was so happy. Mm. And then commit suicide. Robin Williams uh, or maybe uh, Anthony Bourdain, they seemed outwardly to be happy, quote unquote. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I wonder what, what the dissonance is there. There obviously was something that they weren't happy on a deeper and more real level. And I wonder if the people close to them knew it or if they were so good at hiding it from everybody. You know, more than I'm the happiest guy I know, I'm, I'm the most honest guy I know with myself. And I'm more important than being happy is being honest because you can't really be happy if you're not honest. And so I mm-hmm. think, you know, one of my approaches to honesty is just openness and authenticity is to put myself out there, to be naked, to let myself be seen. I love just dumping the truth out because once it's out, it's like, well, no, you can't hide from it anymore, you know? And I love just, I guess I've always looked for, like, where is there something right now that feels edgy to share and just dump it all out? Like, recently, I've been just sharing my, my income with everybody because it's like, well, why is that a secret? Like, what is, like, who cares? Like, and so just getting it out, speaking about it, has mm. it, like, takes the energy out of it. So I've kind of, and I guess I'm not declaring that because it's even more habitual than just who I am anyway to, to have that be it. Like, that's a really high value of mine honesty, self-honesty, but I would say it's yeah, more they, important they, than happiness. Yeah. They seem to come hand in hand. I was just rereading The Big Leap you know, by Gay Hendricks, which is a really mm. fundamental book to my, my work as a coach. And I wanted to reread it again and see if I can mm. go a level deeper into it. Mm. And two things that you bring up that he reflects in the book. The first thing he asks you, if you're up for, are you up for experiencing a new level of happiness? Mm. Are you up for experiencing consistently high levels of happiness day after day? And as I read it, I was like, well, I don't know. Is that possible? Do I want to just be like the smiley guy that's just kind of ignoring everything? Clearly not what he means. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Nice, nice catch. Thanks. Yeah, but I noticed, and he said on the next page, he goes, some of you might have answered no to that question. And I thought, oh, yeah. And he said, that's okay. There's a lot associated with that. One being maybe you're scared to declare that and own it Mm. because then you've got no excuses. You know, when you don't feel that. So you reminded me of that, you know, just I've been in that conversation with myself of going, huh, am I am I open to just experience consistently high levels of joy and happiness and fun and day after day? Mm. And you know the book I'm talking about? I have heard of it, but I haven't read it. 
Right, that's cool. But the next part he talks about upper limiting, you know, where we have a, a glass ceiling of happiness that we're all mm-hmm. kind of, you know, we all have it. And when we exceed it, we have to sort of sabotage ourselves to come back within yeah. it. And the idea is to sort of continue raising your glass ceiling. But he talks about one of the ways to do that is to be honest with yourself. And I've been journaling on a couple of the questions. One of them is, where am I not telling the truth right now? Mm, Where am I not telling the truth right now? Where am I out of integrity with myself right now? Mm -hmm. And uh, these are the questions that lead into higher levels of happiness. Mm. So it's interesting that you brought those two things up. Yeah, for sure. If we have the idea that being totally happy all the time means that we're not being honest and we value honesty, then we're never going to go there. But I see that the more honest I am with myself, the more happiness there is. It's uncomfortable at first, but then on the other side of it, it opens up, it opens up, it opens up. There's more and more space. Mm. I'm just going to scroll through some comments, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, do. I want to say hi to Nikki, who's watching live. Say hi to Holly, who's watching live. Holly, who's staying with me, they've gone down to the, the beach, so they're watching live on the beach. Cool. Uh, hi, Holly. kind of cool. Karen uh, Baker is watching live from the Yurt of Astonishing Transformation. I'm not sure what that means, but I want to be a part of it. Awesome. And then Holly makes the comment that the pressure for males to be macho and show no weakness can be incredibly damaging. She's so thankful for men like us who can create safe spaces for men to be vulnerable. Mm. And hopefully that creates a ripple effect. To me, vulnerability is macho, man. Vulnerability is strength. Vulnerability is power. I watched uh, the documentary about Fred Rogers. If you're an American, you'll know him as Mr. Rogers recently. And he's like this very loving, loving, loving man. And he's, to me, that guy's got balls of steel. His willingness to be in touch with his feminine and talk about his inner child and just talk in an unconditionally loving way to a you know, brash senator and turn him from reducing 9 million in funding to increasing it to 22 million through the six minutes of just pure love. That's like, you know, I'd rather be that than some like big jerk that's trying to protect himself and looking tough any day of the week for sure. Yeah. And I always say that uh, the tougher someone looks on the outside, generally the bigger heart they have, you know, they yeah. got a bigger heart to protect, right? Yeah. I love that. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And I think vulnerability too is, you know, if you think it's weak, then try doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to see how hard it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot sure. of strength to be, uh, to be vulnerable. Absolutely. Well said. So where should we go from here? What do you want to yak about? Well, two things that are completely random that I want to say is, number one, you're in Costa Rica. I have a good friend and client that has opened a beautiful restaurant there that's like oh, nice. super, super amazing. It's called Here, H-I-R. His name's Noam Kostuki. So if you can get over there to check it out, please do. It's in the jungle. Cool. It's beautiful. Oh, nice. Really, if you're a foodie, it's like right up your alley. And what was the other thing? The coolest place. Oh. Like Costa Rica is literally like living in the zoo. Yeah, that's what he says. Like, well, do, that's what it looks like, yeah. You just Animals. hear sounds all the time outside your window. You know, yeah. like these dolphins, like when we were out on the boat yesterday, just hundreds of dolphins, super playful everywhere, turtles everywhere when we're snorkeling. It's, cool. just, it's the coolest thing. It's a happy yeah, place. You really so. feel a part of it. It is a yeah. happy place. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sad to be leaving. I, I haven't been in a, a big city for three months, which feels a little bit weird. So at the moment, I'm kind of excited to get back into a city and like back mm. into some culture and some different food and stuff like mm. that. But I get the feeling that I'm going to wake up in about two weeks' time going, oh, man, get I really wish I was beach. back on the beach. Yeah. 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 Hearing monkeys. Have you been yeah. down here? I haven't been to Costa Rica yet. I've been to places like that, but not there. And, yeah, um, tell me about your travel because you said, yeah. uh, I read on your webpage, you said like, I, I did the nomadic thing before it was cool. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even know it was a thing. I just, you know, I had a little bit of backpacker experience when I was uh, in college, 1999, 2002, around there. 
and I kind of got out of college and I was doing real estate business and making decent money and uh, just dreaming about traveling. And there were some things in the real estate industry that weren't sitting with me, like um, just the kind of cutthroat nature of the people I was doing business with. And so I just decided to pack things up and take off. So I went and traveled for a year. I just basically spent money that I'd made and traveled, didn't work that much. But I knew how to write code and develop websites. And I had some designer friends that wanted to start building websites for charities. So I was just doing the stuff. I had my laptop with me, so I just started doing some coding. And then in the course of a year, we grew a business. And I was literally just working from my backpack from like hostels or uh, wherever I was, from a hammock in Bang, you know, in Thailand, Phuket or something. And then it just kept going with it. So I just kept traveling. And I was making money. And so I just kind of perpetually for a few years, that's what I was doing. And in the beginning, I was kind of city hopping like every few days. Or, but then after a while, I started staying places longer. As I'm sure it sounds like you've experienced Staying in a place for a month or a few months, it's a very different than, than visiting. You know, you get a whole different understanding of the place. And, and it was yeah, awesome. I really, I, I really craved that. Like, uh, I started doing this in uh, August last year. And yeah, I went all through the UK and then up through Scotland and Ireland and back to New York. And I found it a little bit stressful traveling all the time. So mm. I was kind of either checking out of an Airbnb or checking into one or mm. on a train in between cities. And yeah, I started noticing that it wasn't that fun. Like it was, mm. yeah, just the constant packing and unpacking and just always having to look, like, figure out where you're going to be, yeah. where you're going to stay. I mean, there's a certain, in the beginning, that was the adventure for me. And totally. that was the excitement. But after mm. a while, you know, in the beginning, my website was, I will see the world. And it was like about seeing the world and having this, like, this new, new, new. And then after a while, I realized that all the stories that I was writing and the pictures I was taking were actually of the people. And what I really loved is like meeting the world. And like, so I started to slow down more and more. My backpack got smaller I went, you know, I stayed places longer. And then, at, you know, towards the end, it was like months and months being in the same place. And then I still had my moments where I, like, I got a bicycle and I went on a cycle tour for six weeks where I was moving every day. But, um, and that's actually when I, I was actually in America going from Portland, Oregon. I was headed to South America on my bicycle. And I got to California and I was like, why am I still traveling? And I was like, I just checked in. And what I really wanted was to have a, it's been, it'd been three years since I had a place that was familiar and I want to have some friends that are the same for a while. And that's when I moved to London. And I went to London because, for me, London was a place where I could travel without moving, I would say. I mean, it's like such a diverse city. People travel through there, lots of food and languages and a great hub to take trips from. So I, that's why I settled there in 2009. And I lived there for seven years. And now I've moved back to America with my wife. Yeah, I heard the uh, the British accent in the background, yeah, in the background yeah. <laughs> just before we started. Yeah, that's cool. So you went to London and found a wife. Yeah, brought her here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It's very profound what you said. I, I love that because, you know, to create that space, we're talking a lot about adventure this month and what it means to adventure, what the benefits of adventuring are. Mm. And so to have this space that you opened up where you just said, hey, I'm just going to travel. Uh, oh, websites, that seems cool. I know how to code. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. Just creating space to follow what feels good. And maybe you can help with this. Some people say, well, that must have been nice for him. You know, I'm sure he had a yeah. bunch of money tucked away and could, you know, be self-sufficient. But yeah, that's one way to do it. I don't know what was your situation when you started doing that. Were I had you some. I had some money. For yourself. Yeah, in the beginning, I did. I made a bunch of money in real estate, and then I spent it, and then I didn't have any, and then I wanted to keep going, so I started a business. <laughs> Amazing. So, how like, tries that. Yeah, I've I've spent all my money and started from negative more than once. So you know that story is a is a great excuse, but at the end of the day, it's. It's fear of not being okay, not being safe if I didn't have money. But it's really, really hard in the Western world to 
go into complete despair and to be like not have a place to sleep or not have food to eat unless there's something going on inside that's really unhealthy, like a drug addiction or a real psychological mm. disorder. Those people, we need to help. But for most of us, the, just a little bit of resourcefulness goes a long way. And it's, you know, it's never gotten so bad where I couldn't climb out of it. And I think it's an important journey for a person to go through if they fear that is to touch it. And I'm, I'm mm. very happy for people to encourage people to, to go on a journey that could risk them going into the abyss like, if you're so scared of it, like, go there and touch it and find out that it's not that bad, you know? Lose all your money, like, lose your identity, lose your job, like, build yourself back up. You'll be a better person, stronger person for it. Life will have more meaning for you. This is what the hero's journey is all about, right? If you want to insulate yourself and protect yourself your whole life from everything scary, then you'll have a, then you'll have a result from that, which would be much less than what it could be otherwise. So it's not wrong, but it's certainly not a full expression of, of living, It'd be like a tree that could be 30 feet tall. And it's like, well, I'm just going to hang out at a foot. I don't want to get hit by a plane or anything. It's like, all right, well, you do that. I'm going to be a giant pine and you can be like a little one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. It's a bit silly. Well, I'm no, I like it. it. I shouldn't judge it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're judging the, the belief, right, rather than the yeah, person. Because yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a strongly held belief. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been an entrepreneur full-time, coming up a year. and Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Mm. Excited. And it's, it's been fantastic, every part of the journey. But cash flow is a new thing for me, right? So yeah. not having the paycheck that comes in every month. I get it. Yeah, uh, yeah so I've run it uh, pretty close to the line, well, below the line. Mm-hmm. And that was my biggest fear, like before I left my job. You know, I hadn't yeah. had a credit card for 10 years. I haven't needed one. Yeah. And my biggest fear was like, oh, man, I don't have enough money. Mm. I think I'm leaving too early. Maybe I should have stayed another year and saved even more. Mm. And so that was my biggest fear. And then as I watched my cash flow dwindle down, I woke up the next day when I was at the lowest point I've ever experienced in modern time with money and nothing was different. The sun yeah. still came up. Right. My friends still talked to me. Imagine that. You didn't the die. still coming out of the tab. I didn't die. I was like, yeah. huh, wow, like it's really just a number on the screen. Mm. Man, and I spent so much time before I left my job focusing on this exact mm. scenario mm. and it mm. turns out, it's nothing. Now, yeah. do I want to stay there? Definitely not. But no. you touched on another point. My creativity exploded after that because mm. yeah, I had to be resourceful. It's the yeah. word you used. Yeah, it's it's great. Like I've switched industries three time major industry shifts from real estate to web media to coaching. And every time I've done that, I went from having money to having nothing and climbing back out again. And I don't guess if you do it three times, it's like, well, just that again. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. I mean, it's not, it's not like, oh, I love this, having no money. I mean, there's still the, yeah. the, the, the pains of having to adjust your lifestyle from you know, multiple six-figure to multiple zero-figure. So, but you build it up again. And you know, people talk about having job. I want to have job security. There's way more security in having a connection to your own resourcefulness than there is in any corporation or any, any employer. Absolutely. You know, drop me in mm. any city, anywhere in the world with nothing, and I will build and create make everything that I want just, you know, all over again. I know that with so much certainty because I've done it. And so, you know, go do it. Create security through through the knowing. That's what I would say to people. It's brilliant because um, I noticed for a long time, I think my bank balance, my bank account was associated with my worth. Mm. You know, so I earned this much money or I had saved this much money. So, you know, I'm a worthwhile citizen. Mm. And yeah, I noticed this time around when my cash flow was dwindling, I was like, oh, that's just, my cash flow. That's got nothing yeah. to do with me as yeah. who I am as a person. 
And I was so confident in what you said. I was so confident in my ability to make money because I've learned. I've spent, you know, most of my life learning about how to be successful, learning about financial literacy, learning about investment, learning how to make money, going through confronting all those old stories about money. And I was so surprised how comfortable I was. Mm. You know, and same thing. I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. I don't want to really stay here, but yeah. I know how to get out of this. Right. Yeah. Learning through experience has kind of always been my thing. Like, so that's why traveling and starting businesses and stuff, like really kind of embracing the not knowing as perfect. And like, if I get a jigsaw puzzle, I don't know where piece goes where. So let me figure it out. It's like, that's my attitude towards everything. And even adventure too, like, you know, it's easy to understand adventure in the context of going out and traveling the world because right? that's what it looks like. But adventure isn't the, the traveling. Adventure is the going into the unknown, right? Mm. It's like go. And so when people say, where was your favorite place you traveled? I say India because it was the place that was most unknown and different and most unsettled me. So that was the biggest adventure in that way. And so for nowadays, when I'm not traveling that much and I'm staying here, it's like, where's my adventure? It's in the unknown. Where is there an edge in my world that it will take me beyond? So I can have the same experience of excitement and unknown now that I could then, but it's in a different way. Any practical examples? Like you're, you're you know, established in Santa Monica, you've got a family now, so yeah. you know, maybe, maybe packing up and, and taking off to Thailand isn't as... So yeah, so the question is, what, what do I wake like? up excited for? Why do I wake yeah. up excited now if I'm not going anywhere? You know, What I wake up excited for now is the internal adventure that I'm going on. So I was just in a meeting earlier, and a guy was asking me, what is the edge that I'm leaning into right now? Michael is his name. And I said, being more loving. And so I want to live, I think I didn't mention Mr. Rogers, Like I want to live in a way that's like just all loving all the time. How can I be more loving with more people and more moments? My wife, my son, everybody. And so it's like, well, where are the places that I'm being unloving and looking for that and being honest about that and then reflecting on it and changing that and like putting a stake in the ground, speaking to my wife and saying, my commitment is to be the most loving person in your life, to treat you kind. It's like, so now it's just not just this internal commitment. It's like, oh, it's an adventure. Like people know I'm going traveling, right? Like not just my wife with everybody. Now people know like like, going traveling, I guess I'm going to have to go. Gonna have to travel in the direction of being more kind and loving to my wife in every moment. And so it's like, ooh, what's gonna happen today when she wakes up? Or ooh, what happened yesterday that I can go in and explore and journal and write about? Where are the places where I'm holding back love that I could express it? And so for me to sit down in the morning and with my journal and on my meditation cushion, or you know, to go and sit at a cafe with a book that I'm studying about being loving, it's the same kind of adventure. You know, it's, it's like, I have that same excitement for it. I get up at sometimes four in the morning because I'm more excited to do that than I am to be sleeping. Yeah. You know? So in in a sense, I've traded like my backpack in for uh, my meditation cushion and my journal, but it just looks different out there. The, The adventure out there, the traveling the world, it was, it was an internal adventure. I just needed to move my feet. And I think that's an important thing. Like I love the literalization of the internal journey in the sense of going traveling, like literally go traveling and find through that, that it wasn't really about the traveling. It was the internal. But if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't find that. So that's why I think it's still a great thing. And there will be times yeah, it's, it's to using, yeah. using an external stimulus to shift something internally. Super. Yeah. Super true. It's interesting. Cause it's, you know, when I think about my coaching, a lot of times people will talk about it and it's like, well, what are they struggling with? 
you know, what are they struggling with or what are they trying to achieve that you help them with? Mm. And a lot of times I think about it, I'm like, well, a lot of the people I work with just want to experience growth. Mm. They, they love it or they want to experience challenge. Mm. And so it's not necessarily like they have this big lofty goal or that they're desperately struggling with life in some way. They're just like, you know, life's good, but what can, where can you take me? What mm. angle can you challenge me from? Where can you stretch mm-hmm. my range? Like, oh, I don't think I'm that loving. You know, can you help me go and play out at what it would be like to be more fully loving in my life? Hell yeah, let's play that game. That's what I love. <laughs> That's what I love too. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. Because I think that's a big part of what life's about. What do you work? What is your growth thing right now? What is it for you? You're focused on. No, that's a good question. Yeah. I think that thing we started talking about at the start, how do I increase my capacity for joy? Mm. You know, I notice um, my life is fucking good. <laughs> like my life, I, I'm living my dream life. And yet it's still very easy for me to go, what's not working? What's the thing that I need to worry about? You know, so even though life's awesome, I still find myself drifting into worry or yes. fear or just finding what's not working. Mm. You know, that thing where you wake up at two in the morning and you remember how you did that awful thing to that person when you were 21. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, why does that thought come in your head? And so, yeah, for me, it's, it's that question we talked about at the start. How can I start increasing my capacity for joy and mm. happiness mm. on a more regular, ongoing basis? The kind of thing that I look for with stuff like that is where are the questions coming from that generate the thoughts? So like the thoughts like, where's the next thing? What should I be working on? Or where's the next thing for me to fix? Beneath those, the emergence of those questions, there will be an idea about life and about the self that will just be the soil from which those ideas and questions even grow. So it's like, you know, the way I think about my work is like, I used to be a programmer. So it's like there's different levels of computer programming code. There's like the interface level and like yeah. the, and then all the way down to machine level it's like there's always a level beneath and so what is the thinking or the ideas down there so a lot of my work is around worldview and identity it's like how am i seeing the world in such a way where these are the thoughts that even occur because when you go down there and you tweak that it's like so maybe something around like there's some idea about and you're already seeing this which is why you're pointing it out but like there's some idea about life and about person where the way to be and the way to grow is to look for what's broken I look for what needs fixing. That's an idea which would give rise to really useful questions in service of that. I don't really have that. My idea is what would I love to create? And it comes from like an orientation that the purpose of life is to create. And so it's like, for me, biological creation, genetic, mimetic creation, they're like the same thing. So creating a baby with my wife is one form of creation creating ideas and making videos and, and coaching people and having conversations and ideas being generated. To me, that's the same thing. It's all sex. It's all, it's all procreation, right? And so it's like if my purpose and my orientation and my way I see the world is that life is creation, then my question that I ask is what would I love to create? What would I love to create? What would I create? I will still bump up against things to quote-unquote fix or work on, but it's like within the context of generating something new which is just slightly different because it's like uh, it has a different quality or a different feel to it, I think. What, what do you hear in that? Curious. Yeah, I hear that um, I, I guess we're in similar positions where a lot of our survival stuff is taken care of so that, you know, mm. we have shelter, we have food, we have water, we have a mm. certain income. And, you know, that rises to the next question, which is, you know, self-actualization mm. or in the same vein, now, now what? And like a lot of philosophers, the answer they come to is creation. 
You know, mm. what, what's my art? What art do I want to leave in the world now that I have this, this freedom? Mm. And, yeah, that's what I'm working on. But it's, it's a constant, uh, it shifts constantly. What, and the answer? The answer shifts constantly? Yeah, the answer, like some days, you know, the, the, the answer to that question has been I want to create a life where I don't need to have a vacation. That was always how I wanted to set it up. And so I get to live that. So sometimes that looks like, oh, I want to go scuba diving and Mm. I want to go adventuring into the rainforest. Mm. And then some days it's like, oh, I want to write a really good Facebook post. Mm. Mm. That's something that's coming up. Yeah. I think that's a great way of like accessing more of it is just when you have that question and you answer it and then you act on that answer. Like I think we were talking about earlier, that's actually opens the flow and brings more and more of it to you. So I imagine, I would guess that you're experiencing more and more through acting on it more and more. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of it's knowing what I don't like. Mm. So having an idea of, oh, I think I'd like to create this and then trying it and then going, no, (laughs) that wasn't it. I don't like Mm. that. Experimenting. And then what happens when you don't like it? That's a good question. A little bit of frustration. Frustration there, a little mm. bit of, um, yeah, especially if it's something that I was excited about, yeah. excited about creating. Mm. Yeah, and then finding that, ah, oh, this is not right or I'm not enjoying yes. the process of it. Yeah. The reason I ask is I just came up with this like little flow chart that from some clients the other day that I'll share about within the context of that. Um, but it comes from my commitment to only do stuff that I enjoy to the point that so most people are like, that's obsessive and impossible. Like, like you're, the level to which you're unwilling to do anything that you don't enjoy, like, it's just not feasible. It, would, it couldn't possibly work. And maybe you're just lucky or you're lying. It's like, eh, that's your story, but this is, this is how I live. Um, I literally, I had I just, a little Facebook or Instagram or whatever the other day. It's like, I think they said, everything we would love is on the other side of our willingness to accept nothing less. Everything we would love is on the other side of our willingness to accept nothing less. Mm. So the moment we're willing to say no to anything less than what we love, that's actually how we access a life where everything is that we love. It's like that commitment that it creates it. But how does that work? Because it might look like, oh, I don't love this. Turn my back on it and run the other way. But here's the thing. There's the flow chart, right? It's like, do you love it? Mm. If, it's, if it's yes, then do it. If it's no, there's a second question. Are there aspects of it at all that you love? If no, well, then don't do it. If yes, there almost always are some aspects, then do only those and hold that as a constraint. So I am going to do just the aspects of it, but I'm not going to do the rest. But by doing those aspects with a commitment to joy, I actually discover that there's ways for the rest to get done. I figure mm-hmm. out that this can be delegated. I figure out that's actually not necessary. By going into just a little part of it that I love, I actually bring my imagination out so how the rest can be achieved. And I do this all the time in my business. I do it in my relationship. It's like, oh, I needed a little piece that I would love. And so it's not very typical when I don't love something for me to just get walk away completely. Case in right. point, I, for the first time ever, I've hired some, in like nine years of this business, I've hired somebody to help me with, with Facebook advertising and marketing, experimenting. And she gave me a thing to do, like just a worksheet to fill out, a one-page PDF or to do some stuff. And I was doing it. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do this. And I'm like, but wait a minute. Is this a lack of joy because it's not true for me and it's not my thing? Or is it just like hard and I you know, don't want to do anything difficult? Because that's an important distinction, I think. Talking yes. about it is one thing, but really learning it's really important. That's another story. 
And I was like, no, this really isn't my thing. There's no joy here. And, so I, and I knew that by sending going back to her, there was a pretty good risk of me throwing away my money. It's like, I paid the money. This is the thing you agreed to do. And now you're saying you don't want to do it. Okay. But I said to her, like, look, this is not a thing that I enjoy. What I would love is to create a way of us creating this that it's enjoyable for me. Maybe we can have a conversation about it instead. Da, 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 da. She wrote back, yep, great. Let's have a call on Monday. So we had the call this morning and it was a fun conversation and we created even a better result than it would have been there if I didn't do this thing. But I knew I had to put the $2,000 that I invested on the table and say, I might just have to walk away from this and lose it. So it's both. It's a commitment to doing only what I enjoy and not turning my back on something the moment I don't enjoy it, but finding the aspects of it that I enjoy and holding the possibility that this can be transformed by me getting more specific about what I don't enjoy and what I would enjoy and standing for what I would enjoy and speaking to that and creating that. Mm. So it starts off with a commitment. It starts off with the commitment to only do things that you enjoy, is yes. what I heard. Yeah. Uh, which, that's a, like you said, some people go, it's impossible. But, you know, because I know if I go through this process myself, there'll be something that I tell you, like, you just have to do that, John. I just have to do that. Yeah. And you would challenge me and go, well, why, right? Why do you have <laughs> right. to do that? We always hit something where you go, well, I just, I have to do the washing. You know, I just right, got to right. do my, wash my clothes every week. So the commitment to doing only what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then the thing I would add, or I would ask you is, where does it come in the piece about how can I bring joy to this? Well, that's the kind of second piece. It's another way of saying the second piece. So when yeah, I, how do I find so, joy in it? So, so the, the question I ask as an answer to that is, what aspects of this do I love? Or what aspects of this would bring me joy? And if, you're, if you look close enough at something, there's always a little bit of the opposite in it. I mean, if you take the yin-yang, right? In the black, there's a little yeah. dot of white. There's always the opposite. You know, I had a guy recently I was talking to that just doesn't enjoy going out, doesn't enjoy socializing, connecting, but it would be really useful for his business where he's just in sales. <laughs> and so yeah. it was like, you mean ever? There's never been a time? Well, no. I mean, there's certain instances where I do enjoy it when I, this, this specific type of event with these specific types of people where I have this specific type of connection. And so what if instead of, I just don't like going out except for these little instances, what if you took those and you made that the central focus and you'd be like, that's what I'm going to do. And then as you put your focus on that and you stand for that, instead of saying, I'm not going to do any, it's like, no, there, that little dot where there is there joy, is putting every, all your energy into that, what happens is the dot widens. It's like by going into it, it opens and it gets bigger mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it becomes the thing. And you create this world that looks very unique, but is born from a commitment to only what you enjoy. And so I'm like, I'm anal and ruthless when it comes to this. Like I, I don't allow any non-joy in my life. I attack it. But I don't just throw it away. I'd be like, well, how can I transform this into joy? The first step is to what is the aspect of joy in this and how can I grow that and move the other pieces? So it's like, it's a transformation, like you said. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad You're we welcome. kind of went there because it's, it's cool. And I love that clear to me the way that you live your life is, like on a next level to the average person. Like how can I experience even more love? How can I have a life where I'm even more happier than the next person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love experiencing that commitment because, yeah, like you said, I'm sure a lot of people challenge you on those different things. Each thing you've brought up, you've said people challenge me and that it's not possible. Yeah, please do. Because two things will occur when people challenge me. Number one is it will help me see places if they bring a really good specific challenge and they like actually poke instead of just challenging the concept i want you to like if you're going to challenge like make it real um ask me a question that i can actually use instead of just having a philosophical debate 
And then, so if they do that, then I can actually find new things in me. And some challenges have been really useful. It's like, help me look there. It's like, well, I'm not going to try to defend it and deny that. Let me bring that forward and clean that up. And so I always uh, endeavor to do that. And the other thing will be is everybody's challenge that that's not possible helps me to see their own limitations. Because when they're challenging something that I know is possible because I've done it, it's like, well, you've just shown me you and how you're seeing the world and how you're holding yourself back. And it's so much easier to help somebody when they show you themselves. And so challenges are, are typically that. And, uh, and so I love being able to help people. And so I love when they challenge me so I can show them where I can help them. Yeah, that's so brilliant. Uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to share? Is there anything else on your heart? That's mm, in my heart. Oh, I am very excited that I have a, a new picnic table and a barbecue grill in my, in my new backyard at my new house. It's like going to have friends over and cookouts and made the adventures of connecting with people, having friends over. I'm just sharing that because I'm excited about it right now. The simple things can become so much more exciting. It's funny to share that as a reflect. I mean, I love connecting with you and the adventure you're on because it was so central and such a big part of my life for so many years. And now to think that I can, I mean, to go back to myself then and tell myself then that one day you'll be as happy and as excited to wake up living in a house about your, or your grill in your backyard uh, and a picnic table as you are right now about, you know, waking up to go see the Taj Mahal or, you know, to go down a river in Kolkata or something. It's like, I would have been like, are you crazy? There's no way. And I, mean, I always thought that that would never be the case, but it so is, and I'm so excited. Being a father is an incredible adventure. Yeah, those are the things I, that are on my heart. Though, yeah, yeah I, I, you said you had that moment you know, where you were like, why am I still traveling? Mm. I, I know that moment's going to come for me. It's, it's not here yet. So like, no, I'm, no. I'm kind of probably more on the start of that journey where I'm like, sure. wow, I have, I have no desire to settle anywhere. I thought that mm. I might be you know, getting to a point where I'm like, okay, I want to, uh, this has been fun, you know, but it's fun yeah, to grow yeah. up and. Yeah, but I haven't had any of any of that since. I do want a dog. You can travel with a dog. It's more work, but it's a new adventure. That feels hard. <laughs> okay. What's the problem with that? Does that feel hard and joyful or hard and not joyful? Well, it wasn't an option until twelve seconds ago. Yeah. So this is yeah. a cool I mean that's another great place to like to visit that though, but it's like because sometimes when things are uncomfortable it's because it's not true for us and sometimes it's not comfortable because it's true for us and scary or true mm. for us and, and, and complicated or something. And so I, that's like super important distinction to learn. And I think I learned it a lot while traveling, like you are inquiring about that and leaning in, I think it's important. Otherwise you run the risk of, and this isn't you, I'm not saying this for you at all, but like in the past I have, but like run the risk of chasing joy through comfort. And that means that growth atrophies in that way. Yeah, I found myself doing that in travel as well. You know, where I, I travel to be uncomfortable, then I find myself going, okay, where's the nearest coffee shop? And okay, and how can I buy the things that I have at home? And it's like, hang yeah. on a minute. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. trying yeah. to recreate the Let me bring, you were trying bring to get my home from. with me, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, so I notice I do that. I try to find comfort even when I'm traveling. Have you found that you've been careful. like, have you found that you've been traveling with less and less? Like your, what you've been carrying has gotten smaller? Yeah. Well, you, were, you were traveling, you were a pilot before, weren't you? Yeah, I was. So, so you probably I'm already to learned to travel like, Used to the travel light, I, I got right into minimalism about five or six years ago when it was mm. before it was cool. You got into nomadic stuff before it was cool. I got into minimalism before there cool. was a fucking Netflix movie about it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I got into you know, minimalism has a lot of you know, wrong beliefs about it. People think it's like, oh, just throw your shit away and live on eating rice, but it's about minimalism is more about what's important, mm-hmm. essentialism so, almost. 
exactly who are the important people what are the important items what are the things that truly bring me joy mm. and by removing things out of your life be it uh maybe people that don't serve you or things or physical things or jobs or activities then you create space to bring in the things that really do bring joy yes so yeah maybe you have a lot of things that bring you joy so minimalism can be that that's exactly yeah, so what I we're talking about that way Think about if you think about it like that that little quote that I shared earlier about how everything we love is on the other side of our willingness to accept nothing less than that. It's essentially about that, essentially about essentialism, essentially about minimalism. It's like you can do it with your stuff, you can do it with relationships, you can do it with how your business functions. And all of a sudden, minimalism is about accessing joy, but then joy you see is a constraint where minimalism is the result, right? Because when you say joy is the only thing, then it's like, well, then everything else falls away. This shoes, well, if joy is the only thing, then I don't need those shoes. You know, it's like this yeah. minimalism actually happens as a result of that. So it's really cool. All those two things fold into each other. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I got rid of a lot of stuff back then, mm. and then you know I've kept challenging, much challenging myself to go further. So I would have ten t-shirts, ten pairs of underwear, three shorts, two shoes, two pairs of shoes, mm. some flip flops pair of sunglasses, my MacBook, my iPhone, mm. my podcast microphone. Cool. And, um, yeah, a couple of little things, but that's about it. And that's... Mm. It's a lot of underwear. <laughs> Ten <laughs> pairs. Yeah. So what brings me like joy? I, just, I, I didn't bring up the laundry example just as a random example. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> or I can wear a pair of shorts a couple of, you know, a couple of times, but underwear yeah. I'm like a 24-hour maximum on. Yeah, yeah, And so yeah. to well, avoid washing, I'm going to... I'm going to need more underwear than the average person. Yeah, yeah. So that's minimalism, you know. Invest in what brings you joy. What brings yeah, me joy it. is oh, yeah. it might not be less. It might not underwear. be less underwear. It might be just less laundry, which means more underwear. That's right. That's your minimalism. That's right. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's totally. Yeah. It's totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who would have cool. thought we would find something so profound in underwear? I don't know. I just bought a whole bunch of new underwear on Amazon because I realized that my underwear was old, and that deeper down beneath the surface of my clothing, there was a feeling of like not being abundant it's like well, why don't I just buy some new underwear and these yeah. little the little quality of experience that changes when you get that i th- literally threw all my underwear out and had all new ones all at once it's like how could that that can just lift the you know my my happiness my just happy to get up in the morning put on my new underwear and have you tried the me undies no tell me what this uh, is oh man is this even better underwear? Get into the, oh, i boy. think so i don't know i don't know what you're wearing now i'm just I mean, wearing regular cover <laughs> yeah, well, they, they got a good reputation. But me undies is a website, and yeah, I thought I'd try them out, and I can't it's amazing. go. Amazing, yeah, I can't go. Man, back. I thought I was happy. Look at this, yeah, superior. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, so I'm a guy that like, like likes to be happy with under there, but you're a guy that's like next level when it comes to. Yeah, it. yeah. Well, I just again, it's like I don't have a lot of things, so what I do have has to bring me maximum level of joy. joy. Cool. Yeah, I went weirdly obsessive into socks as well. Mm. So I ended up buying these Bombas socks mm. and it's a really cool company, Bombas, where they, every pair of socks that you buy from them, they give a pair to a homeless person because mm. when they did research about homeless people, the number one requested item was socks. Yeah. So yeah, they do a one for one thing and they have amazing socks. They have like, they did research on how to create the perfect sock. Cool. And so yeah, those are my two splash out items in the wardrobe. I don't wear socks anymore. <laughs> I'm big into to barefoot shoes. Have you seen these Vivo barefoot? These no, make me happy. Vivo barefoot, they're like 
really, really thin. I mean, there's no insole. You can pretty much feel pebbles beneath your feet on them, and they have a really hmm. wide toe. So it's like walking barefoot. So your foot gets its kind of natural spread. Your arch, you know, there's no arch support, so it strengthens your arches. And if you wear socks, it just adds a layer of cushioning. And I like to be as close to the ground as I can. I'm barefoot most of the time, but obviously when I'm going out, I, going in places, I need to wear some shoes. So and do you notice um, the difference? Does it feel does it change you in any way? Oh yeah, I mean, I started wearing minimalist sne- shoes uh, in probably 2010. And it changed like the strength of my foot and my calves and my connection to the earth. And I just love being feet on the ground, just being like grounded. And also just like, you know, there's so many nerve endings in our feet that connect to our entire body and everything has a purpose. And, you know, our feet for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years was our connection to the earth, our balance, everything, our sensory ability. Um, And so, you know, to put a bunch of rubber between us and the earth, something's missing, you know, some kind of connection, some awareness is missing. And so I, I like, to be as connected as I can. I train, I run barefoot, I do CrossFit barefoot. And uh, I guess primal, a way of living, a primal philosophy is kind of big for me. And it's a place where I get happiness and joy. It's an adventure. Diet has been an adventure, food and fitness. And, you know, I've done a lot of new things in that well area for me and grown a lot through it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So joy has kind of been, I'm just thinking of this now, joy has kind of been like the point on the horizon I'm always moving towards. But by moving towards it, it's also encouraged growth. So they kind of, they really, one drives the other, one encourages or creates the other. Yeah, what a cool way to live your life where you, you follow mm. your joy and then you grow into that. Yeah, win-win. Yeah, awesome. super cool. Yeah. I'm super excited to see the royalty checks that roll in after this episode. <laughs> I know, I was product, thinking about that. If you're not already mentions. getting them, you better. I'm rich. If you, get a, if you get a new pair of these, they're, they're amazing. <laughs> and then uh, if you get two pairs, send me one. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be the first one I send them to. Yeah. Um, JP, how do people work with you? Like, who are you looking for? If you want to work with someone, what type of person are you looking for? How do you work with them? What are yeah. the options? I know there's a lot of cool details on your website. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I coach, so I create in conversation. It's just what I have always done and what I love doing. I've been doing it professionally from in my ninth year now. I've been doing it for a while. And the people that I work with, they're typically high achievers in some fashion. They already are. They have like a discipline to them. They get work. I mean, I've worked. You know, clients are like students or professional athletes or successful as entrepreneurs or in their career, something like that, where they like they like to get up every day and cultivate something for the long term, really essential to my work, that is um, cultivation, practice, recurring practice and working on stuff. Uh, but there are also people that have a spiritual depth and an interest in love and um, a value of the journey as much as the destination. And they want to enjoy this moment as much as they want the result. And so... They, I love if, that if they have both of those things, then, then they're, they're the right person for me pretty much. And what I do is I create with people. So I help them to create things in the world through creating who they are. And so I said cultivation earlier, taking time. It takes time to change yourself. But when you work on it consistently and you do it with the intentionality of generating a self that produces the results you want in the world, the results are phenomenal. So uh, anybody who's interested in creating more results in the world through a process of working on themselves and having that be enjoyable as the primary constraint, like literally enjoying now, not because I got to somewhere, then I'm happy to speak with them. I've got one-to-one slots available and I've got a group coming up called Creator Circle, which is uh, a space for 12 people to work together with me over the course of a year. Everything I do is quite long-term. So if people are interested, they can come to my website, jpmorganjr.com, or they can find me on Facebook or Instagram and message me. Awesome, man. That sounds really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. 
final question that we ask everyone yeah. is what's your dark side? Mm, control. So, I don't have to, you don't have to explain that shit. I know. <laughs> control. <laughs> Let me control this question right now and just you know, tell you about my dark side. Yeah. Yeah, it's, perfect. It's, there's two quite. Let me give you two parts of the question. Okay, so, yeah. what is your dark side? And yeah. so we get control. And <laughs> you're a highly evolved man. So, how do you embrace your dark side? Mm, mm. So, the control comes from like feeling not powerful, feeling small. My dad was six six. I was a little John. He was big John. And so, it's like just that fear of not being in control. And so, the way I embrace it is to move towards my desire for power, not to have power over people, but to access power through love. By becoming the Mr. Rogers, by becoming the loving person, I get to access and have power, but not by trying to dominate others and have control over them. And it's also by being gentle with myself and kind to myself when I notice myself trying to control things out there and reminding myself and that, oh, it's just because I'm afraid that I don't have control right now. And I can see it being a father of a two-year-old but he's just trying to have control by lashing out and being angry. It's like that's just a, a more primal version of my passive aggressiveness or my like asking questions that are really statements that I'm trying to pretend are questions, like oh, that kind of stuff. And so the most important thing I've found in, in change and in, in transmuting that shadow into gold is first is being aware of it. That's important, obviously. Always but the second, the second and most important thing, even more than that, even though that needs to happen, is to be kind with myself, to not like judge myself and try to control myself into not being controlling, just to be kind and gentle and forgive myself and let it be okay. And through that, it just kind of, it tends to, the control lets go because that's the chant. That's the first moment of being non-controlling is to not try to control the controlling behavior away. That's how I'm doing it now. And I'm sure I'll know different ways in years from now, but yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah. Thank you for being open. Always a crowd pleaser. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> that question. Yeah, and I love that you touch on that. Where we talk a lot about awareness on the show, but that second part of having be kind to yourself, be, be kind, compassionate, yeah. it's a constant practice. So much, yeah. There's so many opportunities when you're aware. Man, thanks for coming on the show. I hope you'll come on again and jam with me. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, we, we just well, did an hour pretty quickly. Yeah, awesome. Great meeting you. Great chat. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your comments. Thanks for all your loves and your likes. And yeah, we'll be back with another great guest. Thanks, guys. That was The Nathan Seward Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. 